Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to Internet Cafe. My guest today is Sterling Daniels. He has a hit book called, what's the name of your book, Sterling? Uh, Raised in the Game. Raised in the Game. We're going to be right back with Sterling, and we're going to have a little music, and I'll be right back. We are back. We are back. Hello again. Hello again, Sterling. How you doing? All right. How you doing, Wanda? Good, good, good. I am so happy um, that uh, you were my guest, and I've been wanting you to be a guest for a long time because um, you have lived a fascinating life, and you have a hit book, and um, I love the book. It was great. It's about your um, life story and um, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, did you know you were a great writer? No, I found out I was a great writer when I went to prison. You know, when you go to prison, you got a chance to look within yourself. And what, what really made me write that book was I was watching all the young young guys coming up, you know, coming into the prison system that I was in. And when they was coming into the system, I noticed that, you know, they didn't have the respect and, the, you know, the principles and the pride morals that we had when we was coming up. And so then and all they were talking about was selling drugs, selling drugs and stuff like that. So I thought that I said time for me to tell the truth. You know, if anybody can tell the truth, I can tell the truth about, you know, about the way it really was, you know, coming up, you know, in the 60s, you know, 70s, 80s. And I can see what destroyed our black generation, you know what I mean? So that's what mm-hmm. motivated me to write the book. Now, what does it mean? Uh, the title, again, is Raised in the Game, and what does that mean? Well, Raised in the Game mean because when I was coming up, you know, when we used to come up in the in the, in the, in the 60s and 70s, you know, uh, it's like the older generation always talked to the gen- younger generation about how the game's supposed to go and how you're supposed to be, you know what I mean? So when I was coming, so what happened was my uncle Tapout, he got me when I was 14 years old, and he taught me, you know, about the rules and stuff, you know, and the rules that come with the game, you know. And uh, what happened was uh, when we was, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the 60s and 70s, everything was cool, you know, because everybody had respect. You know, and everybody that grew up, you know, when we came up in the 60s and 70s, you know, it was clear evidence of segregation, you know, and we didn't have the opportunity as you had now. So, you know, I had to make a choice, and I chose to go into the game because I figured that was the best opportunity for me. But, you know, uh, then, you know, there was a lot of respect in it and a lot of morals, and, you know, it was a lot of integrity. But, you know, what, what messed it up was, 
you know, uh, in the in the in the 80s, in the, in the, no, it was in the, in the 70s. You know, that's when they flooded. Where the CIA and Albert North, now we know now that they flooded the country with crack cocaine. And when they flooded mm-hmm. the crack cocaine with crack cocaine, then most of the guys my age, they started smoking crack, and so they got strung out. So now you left no one to teach the youth. So now. Mm-hmm. That's why I wrote the book, Raised in the Game, because I was raised in the game under principle, morals, and respect. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't write the book to glorify what I was doing. I Mm -hmm. just wrote the book to show the, you know, show the respect, you know, and and the morals and how we lost that. Now, the game, you were in a game of drug dealing, correct? You were um, uh, a drug dealer. What was your title? Give me your title. let, Let me tell you. Race in the game is about the the real game. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> okay. young everybody thinks the game is selling drugs. But see, I was a professional gambler at first. You know what I mean? Okay. I was a professional gambler, and so I was wrote the book to tell the people that you know it's not the only game. You know what I mean? The only <laughs> game. The reason why is people think that drug dealing on the game because they didn't get the chance to learn the game. So I wrote the book <laughs> teaching people the, what the real game is, you know what I mean? And, okay. you know, it, yeah, yes, and it destroyed, you know, because the drug, you know, it destroyed our whole community, you know. And so now the kids are lost. Now, that let's go back. Let's go back when you got started. You got started when you were about 14 years old. Yeah, and I got, see, I got Go ahead. Okay. Well, see, when I got started, right, I'm going to tell you step by step and how the book Go goes. ahead. Okay. When I got started, I was age 14. Yes. And, you know, me and my brother used to walk down 47th Street in Chicago, and we, we watch all the players, you know, and the hustlers, you know, because that's where, where everybody that was about something hung at. Oh, you know, in Milwaukee, all the players and hustlers hung out on 3rd Street. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 3rd Street and North okay. Avenue. And see, then, you know, so them were the only role models we had. So I asked my uncle to teach me the game because I wanted to be like that. Because my uncle, you know, he was driving Cadillacs all his life. He was my great uncle. And he taught me how to gamble. And he taught me how to gamble. And when he taught me how okay. to gamble, that was my hustle. And that was the hustle. See, the streets and the streets, you had three games. The major, the major game they had was it was sell, it was it was, it was gambling, pimping, and uh, and selling dope was the last. I mean, because dope selling wasn't really popular that much, you know, because cocaine was only used by the high rollers and the rich, you know, mm-hmm. the rich white people and stuff. And then and then in the seventies, you know, in the seventies, in the late seventies, that when cocaine filtered the city. And that in my book you will see Queen Cocaine. I call it okay. Queen Cocaine, okay? Because it took over the city. It took over the city. You know what I mean? And it ripe everybody out. And so now, down the uh, people are blind to the fact of what's going on. But and so now, but anyway, I was not. What I'm trying to say is I was not glorifying the game. You know what I mean? Oh no! I'm not no, glor- no! No, no, I'm not glorifying what I was doing because mm. what I was doing is wrong. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I got you. I was just, but, I, I was, but you got caught up. I got called up. See, I got called up. I'm gonna tell you how I got called up now. 
Okay. Now, I was, now, I was a professional gambler. My uncle always told me, don't never sell Sterling. Don't never sell no hard drug, heroin, and cocaine. He said, that's going to make it hot, and the police will get hot on you. As long as you're gambling, the only thing they can do is give you a $250 fine and let you out, right? And mm-hmm. so then, uh, <laughs> and then you know, in the, in, the, in the 70s, gambling was going real good because, see, you got to look at it. They passed the civil rights law. You know, all this go in the book. It gives you history on our country, too, because, mm-hmm. see, in the seventies, in the late sixties and seventies, Martin Luther King passed the Civil Rights Law. It's all in my book. And then what happened? Everybody, all blacks were living good then. You know, that's when people were going to school. Now you were getting, you were getting lawyers, teachers, and you're getting everything with black. You know, in Milwaukee, Pat Blue Ribbons were rolling. You had, uh, yes. you had L. Smith, Smith. L. Chamber, and, and blacks mm-hmm. were having, and blacks were living good. And then suddenly everything changed. You know, Martin Luther King got murdered. Malcolm X got murdered. Then you go in the, then in 1978, a new drug hit the scene. You know what I mean? Queen cocaine hit the scene. Then, you know, then now the now everything changed now. The whole stroll turned to the dope stroll. You know what I mean? And the gamblers, the gamblers, they start. They started smoking cocaine, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and then we started, the cocaine took over, you know what I mean? And it destroyed our whole our whole, mm-hmm. uh, our whole inner city, you know, because everybody in the country was smoking cocaine. So then I, uh, so now I had to make a decision, you know what I mean? Either get on board or get left behind, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you I forgot about the mis- gambling thing. I got one I, question no, the, for the gambling thing, and then I'm going to let you continue with the story. How do you gamble to win? I mean, how how can somebody teach you to win? Because when you gamble, well, most you people know. lose. Right? I know. So it, how, do you, how do you teach somebody to gamble to win? Well, you know, that's a player game. No, that's a, okay. You know, that's, okay, I ain't going to go that, no further. You got to keep it, no you know, that's okay. Game to be sold, not told. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was it. That, that we always said, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, you I got, got you. Know. I got you. Okay, <laughs> okay, so so you were so you so you got into the 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 drug game, correct? And so I got well, in my book you will see how I always thought of the cat catching the mouse till I got caught up in somebody else's game. You know what I mean? Okay, and so when I got okay. caught up in the drug game, the drug game was really a sucker game because they did that on purpose. They you know because when I was coming up, right. I was the man. In order for you to get some cocaine or something, you had to go. You had to have white people for the connections. You know, blacks didn't handle no cocaine. And then next okay. thing you know, the whole city got flooded with cocaine. I'm talking about guys that was going to school and wasn't wasn't even in the game. They started getting cocaine, right? And so now you got everybody, you know, you know, riding around in Cadillacs, Broham. Ain't never mm. did this before, and so, but they ain't been raised gang, right? So they don't know the rules of the gang, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they riding around with all that jewelry, diamonds on, you know what I mean? Flashing around, said, look, y'all, I'm a cocaine dealer, you know what I mean? And wow. But see, all the time, this was a trap, you know what I mean? And stupid men got caught up in that trap, you know what I'm talking about? Because... It, it, this was a bigger plan. It was a bigger plan between be, behind that, okay? And so now 
everybody rolling, right? Everybody rolling, right? Now, mm-hmm. let me tell you what happened. Now you got war on drugs, right? War okay. on drugs, right? See, this was pre-planned. Now, you know the CIA flooded the country, right? This was pre-planned, right? So mm-hmm. we all suckers. We all suckers. You know, it's just like they sitting up in downtown saying, oh, yeah, let's go get Sterling. Let's go get him. Time to go get him. Now, we got this new law out, right? And so they uh, so they came, and they they took, you know, they, uh, they, the new drug came, war on drugs. So now they flood. Now, now. We they take us, they arrest us, right? Yes. Now, when I first at the federal prison, now I go in this courtroom. I said, hmm, "This is what you know. This is my first time going to prison." I said, "This is the way." I said, "This is our court system. Come, you know, we got indicted with 15 people at one time, <laughs> you know, in the trial, right? It looked like a kangaroo courtroom. You know what I mean? Now, right. no, none of now this is a new law. No, none of the lawyers know about the law, right? So mm-hmm. we in there, we went to court for uh, three months. They gave me 38 years. My brother ain't been out. He was he, he was he was only out for one year. They gave him 40. They gave, you know, everybody wow. in, the, in the case. Got, now, this is my first time ever going to prison, right? So I get 38 years, right? And, you know, and, and then when we get to prison, right, we're in prison now. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how it go now. When I first came to the federal prison, you only had about seven prisons, right? Yeah, about yeah. Yep. Now you have about nine prisons, you know. I, the, the penitentiary was Lewisburg, uh, Terry Hutt, and you had uh, Lime Park, Lime Park, and Atlanta, the Cuban put Atlanta on fire, on fire, so you didn't have that. And you had Lewisburg, right? So yeah. then with the only penitentiary, then you have about six FCI, Federal Correctional Center, right? And so when I come to prison, it was mostly whites, big shots. You know what I mean? Big shots, uh-huh. whites on white-collar crime, right? So now now, um, now all of a sudden, uh, well, uh, they start building more prisons. Because I guess they're building more prisons for the stock. Cause they 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 getting the stock. Cause see now they're gathering up all these blacks and all this. So now in the prison system, you got over maybe 400 federal prison facilities. Because the main reason they did this because they knew about the war. On, they knew about the war on drugs, and the target was inner city minorities. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. they got all the inner city minorities in prison now. Cause when I came out of prison. I couldn't wait to get out, boy, because they ain't got nothing but dope fiends, <laughs> no dope fiends, and you know, okay. some guys in the prison. In the prison. Now, just, now, now, you know now, I mean? now I gotta ask you a question. I gotta ask you a question. I gotta stop you here. Now, um, you're in court. You've never had uh, a. You don't have no criminal record. No. Um, you had a lawyer. I had a lawyer. And I work at the. And let me tell you this now. I had well, a job at the Milwaukee Row. But right. they, you know, they signed, they went bankrupt. So, but I ain't never in my life went to a prison before. Right. So, so you had no record. So, so did they take that in consideration? He doesn't have a no, record. This no, they didn't take time. that in consideration. They didn't take and that. And they just slapped you with thirty-eight years. That's it. He's they going slapped to me with thirty-eight years. years, and the judge told years. me your first time. The judge told me. The judge looked me in the face and told me. He said, "This is what he said to me. He said." He said, uh, 
if I could, I'll give you life. He said, how old was you? I said, he said, I said, 30, 35. He said, let me see. He said, the average uh, age expectancy is 73 years old. So by the time you get out of prison, you'll be 71. You know what I mean? And oh, wow. <laughs> I, I look at the judge. You know what I said to myself? I what? said, you're not going to break me. I said, when I come out, I'm going to be better. That was my determination. <laughs> I didn't want him to win. You know what I mean? I didn't want yeah, him I got to you. win. So it, it was, I went I, to, I'm, I'm going to interject something here. It was I saw on the news yesterday a young man had, had committed murder. And um, I don't know what he thought he was going to get, but the judge told him that he was getting life, and he fainted. Now, yeah. uh, he just fainted dead away. I mean, they showed him fainting, on, you know, and they had to pick him up. If the, I was in your position, never been in prison, never committed a crime, and the judge looked at me and said, 38 years, I would have fainted too, because that had to be okay. a shock. Okay. It had to be. Was it a di- shock to you? No, I'm going to tell you the difference between me and most people that were getting these cases. See, when you're raised in the game like I was, right, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a saying that we had, same thing make you laugh, make you cry. And you got to take the bitter with the sweet. So, you know, <laughs> I was built for that. You know what I mean? See, I came up doing segregation, you know what I mean, when it was rough. You know what I mean? <laughs> and my life wasn't easy. You know, I didn't have no silver spoon in my mouth. You know what I mean? So, I was, you know, like I tell most of them young guys that was in prison, I said, y'all not built for this. I said, but back then we was built that we came up during the struggle. You know what I mean? And when you come up mm-hmm. during the struggle and you come up during the game, that's why I named my book Raised in the Game, because when mm-hmm. you raise in the game, you know about the consequences that come with the game. And so mm-hmm. that's part of the consequences. Even though he gave me more time than I expected, I had to, I had to think about the good times that I had. You know, you got to take okay. this, well, this is part of the bad times. So now mm-hmm. my number one goal is to get out of prison and make myself a better man. I wasn't going to mess up nobody like most of you guys do. That's when selfishness comes. See, a man can say stand for truth when he uh, when he, when he not facing it. But when he's okay. facing it, what he going to do? You know what I mean? Is he going to be a man that stands up, or is he going to be a man that, a selfish man that's going to put some other people in prison, you know, and then they be away from their family. So you know if I mean? you would have put others in prison or made a plea deal, you would have got less time. No, if I would have made a plea, plea deal and put others in prison and told on all the big people that I knew, I could have probably got five years or ten years. But when we tell you the truth, I couldn't live with myself. I probably would have hung myself because <laughs> it's the, integ- the integrity and the pride and principles that I got. You know what I mean? I couldn't do nothing like that, you know? I couldn't mess up another man's life because of me. You know what I mean? I couldn't do that, you know what I mean? But now, see, when I first came to prison, one out of ten people tell. You know what I mean? But now, you know what the percentage, sure. let me tell you, you know what the percentage is now? The percentage what? now... I ain't going to even go with the 10. I'm going to go with 29 or 30 people going to tell. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the percentage now. And so and so, what we got now in the streets, we got everybody out there selling drugs. They're all working for the police. You know what I mean? So working it's just a matter of time before they go to Yeah, they're all working for the police. You know, that's that's the name of the game now. Get me before, tell before he get me. 
This this old saying, not that the youngsters coming to jail today. It's a ride through ten when you can get a friend. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know I got another question. Okay, you never been in jail. You didn't you didn't know really what to expect. How was your first day when you came into jail? The doors slammed behind you. How was your first day in in prison? You were not in jail. You were in prison. Oh oh man, that's gonna be my third book. That's gonna be my that's gonna be the best one. Okay, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened when I first came to jail. My first okay. day came in jail. No, I ain't never been in jail before, so I'm mm-hmm. trying to learn how to go to jail. So first they put me in the in the. See, what I thought when you go to jail, you be behind bars and you just have toilet and you eat bologna sandwiches. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but when I first the first day I came to jail, right, I look in, I look around the jail, right, and you know this is my first time coming in jail. So I'm in the county, right. So mm-hmm. it's the TV, right? They got one TV. We got about eight people in there. And every day somebody come and turn on the TV. But anyway, make a long story short, because I know we got a long story. Uh, I've seen about 30 fights over the TV. <laughs> and, and I'm talking about in my eight months there. And then my girlfriend asked me, how is it like, how is it in jail? I said, to me, it's like when I used to go to the boys club. Everybody uh-huh. wants to be tough and walk around like they're bullies. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, everybody want to be the big man. I said, to me, it's like me going to the boys' club all over again. And so mm-hmm. when I seen that, right, I said, well, I said, I'm not going to worry about no TV when I get in there. And so then I went from the, I went from the uh, county, I went from the county to the, to the uh, they took me to Leavenworth Penitentiary first. And you know, wow. three of my three of my buddies went with me to to, to uh, three of my buddies went with me, right? They went with me. Yes. To, some, some of my Cody fans, we in the we in the we in the we riding on the bus talking about, yeah, man. I said we gonna we gonna be all right, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. when I get there, they put you know they put all in the ho- in the hole when we first get there, and the so hole? yeah, the What's hole that? is a, that confinement and confinement where you be in the Locked down with with your cellie till they find uh you know till they find till they till you go to the captain the captain let you go in and you usually be okay. there for thirty days so okay. when, when I went up there for my thirty days I stood there the captain jumped up and said you're not going on my compound I said what do you mean he said you're not going you got too much influence and too much too many of y'all there so they put me back in the hole for nine months. You know what I mean? Nine I, months. Nine months I was in the hole in solitary, like solitary confinement. You know what I mean? Oh. So what, no, I did but was, yeah. what I did was I just started reading books. You know what I mean? I started reading books, you know, and you know, and thinking to myself. And then I got a silly that came in. And the silly, he, was, he, he had life, right? And mm-hmm. he was so calm. He was so cool and calm. I wonder why he was so cool and calm. So I asked him, I said, uh, I said, hey, I said, how can you be so cool and calm and you're not going to never see another day in your life? And he told me, he said, Sterling, he said, I killed a man. It was self-defense. He said, but what I got to do, he said, he said, when you, when you come here, he said, you can't, you can't blame everybody for what you did. You got to blame yourself, you know. 
He said, he said because uh, he said if you blame yourself, he said then you, when you when you blame others, you hold you all you only holding yourself back. He said by me doing that, I found my peace. I put God into my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I I I took what he did. See, his name was John, and I took mm-hmm. what he did, and so I started. Uh, you know, I, I got myself spiritual free, and then I said, I, I, I forgave everybody that did wrong to me and that I did wrong to. And then and, I felt a little bit free. You know what I mean? Okay, but people told on you. You didn't tell on anybody else, but that's how you end up uh, in yeah. the system because people had told on you, correct? Yeah, but I, that's right. But I forgave them. I forgave everybody. Okay. I'd be a lot of forgiving for, t- for 26 years. I don't know if I had yeah, that much forgiveness. Yeah, I, I forgave them. You know, and then the next day I look in the mirror and not afraid of uh, well, who I see. And then mm-hmm. I, I, I look and I accepted all my responsibility and, uh, and I took the next step. My next step was making myself a better person. You know what I mean? Okay. And then... And then I, that's when I found, I, you know, after I did that, I felt free and alive and in harmony and peace. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it made me feel good. You know what I mean? I'm talking about I feel better. Since I got spiritual, I feel better than I ever felt in my life. I'm talking about I had all the material things that a man can have. I used to go outside and I had a whole block full of cars. I used to say, any, many, mighty, mo, which one I'm going to drive today? I picked you today. You know what I mean? And I had seven houses. I had everything a man can have. You know what I mean? Well, one thing I didn't have, I didn't have happiness. I didn't have peace. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. then a person asked me, they said, Sterling, they said, if you had to do that all over again, what would you do? I said, you know what? If I had to go do those 26 years to feel the way I feel today, I'll go do them again. You know, and that's on the real side. You know what I mean? So I, I understand you didn't have peace because you were always looking. You had to be looking over your shoulder all the time. Yeah, see, see, I was looking, I was looking. You know, I didn't have, I, I believe in God, but I didn't have God in my life. You know what I mean? Right. And so I'm looking over my shoulder. You know what I mean? I ain't never, and I'm talking about always, a, see, one thing, this is what my book teaches you. See, in the game, in the street life, if, if, very few people survive, and I'm, I thank God today that He spared my life and gave me a chance to come out. Uh, gave me a second chance, and so that's why I want to come out there and talk to the children. I promise mm-hmm. God that when I get out of prison, that I'm gonna come out and try to help my community and try to use my leadership skills to do to help gather up and build an organization to help the community out. And that's what I, that's my goal now. And from day and one when I doing. came out of prison, that's what I've been doing. And then mm-hmm. God, I, I got another question. And, I'm gonna, I'm, I got to uh, say something here. When we first met, when I first heard your story, we met a couple times before I really uh, talked to you. And you yeah. always seemed like a um, a very very calm um, person. And I didn't really know everything about the book that you were incarcerated. I hate that word incarcerated because it sounds like you're going to some uh, resort or something, but you was in prison for 26 years. I didn't know that when we met. And you were telling me about the book we first met, and I was going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And so um, 
just calmness, this calmness that you have um, is, I don't know. I don't know if that happened to me when I have that calmness because I would have some bitterness. What did you do for 26 years? I mean, were you counting the days? Did you know you were going to get out for 26 years? At, at 26 years? Um, what did you actually do day to day? What was your, your day like? You know, well, knowing that you, you're in prison, did you have your own cell and a TV or whatever? You had like your own home because you were there for 26 years. So how, well, how did, give me a kind of an example of what it looked like yourself. Well, well okay, this is what I did the first time. First, like I told you, first the first time I did, I looked in the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I took a look at myself and I accepted my mistake. I accepted mm-hmm. all my responsibility for for myself in the past, you know, mm-hmm. and then I had to take the next step. And my next step was Sterling. What you going to do now when you get out? You know what I mean? You got to prepare yourself when you get out. And so what I did was I uh, asked God. I said, God, I said, show me what to do. And God showed me what to do, and he gave me a purpose. And so what I did was, I said, well, the best thing for me to do, I said, I got to write a book. I got to write a book about, you know what I mean, about my life story. And so I, I, so my, my, my uh, first step I did was, my routine was, I get up in the morning, I go to, uh, I go to, I go to child, then I go to the race, then I go to the track, I walk or run the track, then I go wow. to the library, Every day, that was my routine. Go to the library. Then I started talking to the younger. I got me five young guys to go with me there, and we all put our mind on. Some was doing real estate. Some was into because I told them, I said, we got to take the same negative energy that we use to, to, you know, uh, to do criminal activity, and you take the same energy on something positive, and positive results going to come. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I didn't know I was a writer, but I put my mind to it. And see, one thing we are, we are what we think. You know, we are, we are our sons and daughters of God, right? And, mm-hmm. so we de- we de- and so we the master of our own mind, and we have free will to do what we want to do. You know what I mean? If you put that same energy on something positive, you're going to get positive results. And so I, I took my dream. I made my dream. I, I put that dream. I, I went forward to that dream. And I had faith. And I believed in it. You know what I mean? And so that's uh-huh. what I did. And so I did that every day. And you can see the results now. Yeah, I know. That book is written very well. Very well. Yeah. Um, uh, it's well done. And I, I have to say that. But, you know, they say that um, men in prison are very intelligent. And um, uh, very smart because you kind of, you know, in a way, uh, criminal avoid criminal activity. You gotta be kind of, you know, you you, you want to get away with it, but eventually you yeah. get caught. They say people in prison are have very high IQs. But let me tell you something now. I'm gonna give you something real good now. You know, like, you know, like we all we all been raised in the we all be raised in we all a product of our environment, right? Like mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. book, in my book. You know, like it, this. This meant a big thing. When I said, well, "This is what I said right here," 
And this is the beginning. And this this saying a lot right here said, it is said that a man holds life and carries it is the outcome of his belief and also the environment in which he was raised. His theological belief is merely his intellectual opinion of the world around him. So what he sees is unjust and poor treatment of others and him, he would look for a better life. Then this belief then lives deeply in his being and heart, which molds his character and makes his whole life. Now, that's a big thing right there. You know what that's that saying? That is. That's beautiful. My goodness. That's you wrote saying, that? That's, yeah, I wrote that. You know what I mean? Beautiful. I wrote that. When you first open up the book, that's what you read. See, this beautiful. book, like, like everybody tell me, oh, man, that's some more Iceberg Slim stuff or some, uh, <laughs> or some Donald Coon. I said, no, no, no. This high tech. This this more than that. You know what I mean? This is this is telling you about, uh, you know, uh, you know, your you you know what 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 you uh what you call what you call that uh but you know if you're in an environment you know you, if what you see is you know that that was talking about but anyway what your I'm going to say is your destiny in life what what you you know destiny in life you know, if you follow a path you know what I mean so it's just like this you where mm-hmm. you unjust did, and you ain't got the opportunity. You know what I mean? You don't have the school system, you don't have the educational system, and you and you in a poor environment. What that gonna bring? It gonna bring crime. You know what I mean? And that's what it mm-hmm. brings. And so you got. To, so we were the product of our environment. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna can I read you this one part of the book? Sure, and this go gonna ahead. Say, this is, this is real heavy right here, cause see, okay, I was I like not glorifying. I was not glorifying the game. I was just talking about how victims, uh, how we can be a victim by our circumstance. You know what I mean? I would see, I, I could have been. You know, I'm gonna ask you something. See, one thing about black people, we don't have, we don't know, we don't, we lost our culture. We don't know where we come from. Like you take the mm-hmm. candidates. They know all the kids. They know they know who their uncle, who their granddaddy is. They so they know they were bound to be a president. You take the Bushes, you take the, I you take you go right down the line. They all know where they come from, but we don't know where we don't have no culture. You know we were brought here on, on a slave trip, on a sh- slave trip, and it took our culture from us. You know what I mean? So we got to learn about each other. You know what I mean? And we had we got gifts. That we don't know we got, but if we take the time to look within ourselves, we'll find them. Okay, but this one I'm going to show you right here, and this is a part of my book. This is my favorite part right here. You know what I mean? Go ahead. Because you know, remember I told you that my mama taught you know taught us respect, and she taught me the value, right? And so right. this is the part where I read where my uncle told me that I was coming back to Milwaukee from Chicago when I get 18, right? And mm-hmm. he told me to tell a lie to my mama and uh, let tell her that I'm coming there to work with him and we're going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm read this part right here. Now this kind of deep now. Now I mean, okay, okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I gave Tap out his fifty dollars and I told him I would see him when I came back into Brew Town. So I got my stuff together and was on my way home. Then when I was on my on the Greyhound bus. On my way back to Chicago, I meditated, and I didn't like the fact I deal, the having to lie to my mother. But I knew she wouldn't understand 
or agree if I told the truth. I had tried my best and, and wanted my mother to be proud of me, but the life that she wanted for me, it wasn't going to work for me. My mother raised me the right way. She raised me the American way. But life for the average black American was not the same as it was for white Americans in the 60s and early 70s. And I wanted more out of life than working in a factory, barely making enough money to live from paycheck to paycheck. And I was thinking for a better way to live. So I had to make a choice. And the laws under which we live were designed for our disadvantages. And these laws were immutable and inescapable. But we could place ourselves in harmony with them to experience a life of comparative peace and happiness. Now, difficulties and disharmonies and obstacles indicate that we are either refusing to give out what we no longer need or we are refusing to accept what we need. Now, growth is attained through the exchange of the old for the new, of the good for the better. It's conditional repercussive action for what we want. Now, I was not born with a silver spoon in my life, in my mouth. And my life was difficult growing up. Mm -hmm. But I learned and did what was the best way I felt to survive. Now this is the this is now this is deep right here. And this is true. Now if you took a potted rose bush from the outside to the inside and you place it in a room in front of a closed window. Now when mm -hmm. the now now when the plant when when, when let me see now. Now when the plant dried out a bug or a parasite which live in the plant with live in the plant will fly out. The bug which was ringless which was ringless changed into a ringed insect and tried to fly out of the window. Now then you gotta ask yourself why. The only logical answer is the insect grew a ring out of necessity. The insect found that it could no longer get the, its sustenance from the plant because it had dried out and died. It was a matter of survival. So when you are raised in a condition, and that condition is no longer enough to provide for your survival, the obvious choice manifests in our lives. Don't mm -hmm. they? Huh? Mm, they do. You understand do. that? Yes, huh? I do. Yes, hey, I you do. Understand? Uh, so, you have some callers. I just want to say, does anybody have a question for Sterling? No, I guess not. Uh, <laughs> they just listen, which is cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, compared to um, today, I have a question. And uh, it's still, a, it's still a game. You still, yeah. people are still in the game. What are the differences between today and when you are? Because I hear you keep saying, um, I have respect. I have respect for, you know, other people. Uh, apparently, uh, you never hurt anybody. I mean, being in the kind of business that you were in, if people didn't pay or somebody made you mad, you don't seem like the kind of person that's going to go upside somebody's head because you always seem so calm and so collected. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, somebody had to – you had to deal with people that tried to cross you or – or, or or do something um, you didn't like, or, or how did you handle that? Because you don't seem like the kind of person that would, you know, would, would curse somebody okay. out. You seem well, so calm. Well, I mean, well, I'm, what I'm, else, I'm, you know I'm what I mean? Tell, I'm gonna, okay, I want to tell you something. 
And before I ask that question, I got one more chapter to read from the book. I had I got I got to read Queen Cocaine. You know what I mean? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, then after I we read Queen Cocaine, I'm gonna answer to you why the game has changed and why the people act the way they act now. Okay? Cause see, okay. why I didn't know when I wrote this book, I didn't know I was writing about what the future gonna be of the country today. You know what I mean? Okay. So this is this, and now I'm gonna show you. What destroyed the black community? Remember, we were talking about that, right? Right. Go ahead. Okay. And now I'm going to go to Queen Cocaine. That's the name of the chapter, Queen Cocaine. Let me see. The Queen Cocaine is on page two, 269. I'll go there. I'm going to show you. this. See, this book is an educational book about, it's not only about the streets, it's about the history of black, you know, the history of the way, uh, uh, the way we came up, you know what I mean? It tell you the history and what destroyed the country. You know what I mean? And so okay, here it is ahead. right here. Now, now can you hear me? Because I changed here. Okay, can yes, you still hear yes, me? Yes, sir, I can hear you. Go right ahead. Okay, okay, Queen, Chapter 33, Queen Cocaine arrived. This is America, the land of the free. There are problems in the White House. Richard, Richard Nixon got caught. There are people starving in the street and poverty, but still spending money on the race on the space race. Now, Queen Cocaine arrived in all the inner city in America. Queen Cocaine had been around for many years and always been considered a rich man high, but only the high-rolling blacks and the whites could afford it because it was hard to get and were very expensive. Then the queen arrived in California in 1978, five years later. But I just want to say this before I read that. See, it was it wasn't discovered then, but that's when uh, that's when uh, uh, Oliver North and the CIA flooded the country with cocaine, and they gave Free Ray Rick some cocaine to sell. You know what I mean? For they can support the the war in the Central American in Central America. Okay. Okay. That's that's how it arrived. See, that was pre-planned. So Queen Cocaine arrived in '78, five years later. She took over most of the pimps, hoes, and hustlers. Now, originally, cocaine was snorted through the nose or treated with chemicals so it can be smoked, called free pet base. And we mm-hmm. remember. Uh, see, that's we see. This book is true. It's all about the facts. And I'm gonna tell you what. Remember when Richard Pryor got caught on fire? <laughs> in that on yeah, that movie, mm-hmm. yeah, because he was pre-basing with uh the with with the, with the ether that was yeah. pre-basing then, but they found that didn't work. So then the queen would change into a rock form made with baking soda. Then Queen Cocaine flooded America because she was cheap and available for anyone to buy. So no one knows who bought the Coke Queen in the country, but she here to stay. Then the queen instantly became the number one drug and the most deadly killer of poor minorities in the United States. The queen only needs to be used one and will make a man or woman do anything to get another hit. The queen will make a man or woman lose all self-respect, make them steal, borrow, or beg. She will make a scared, weak person do things like putting a gun in their hand or rob and kill. It can make a good woman sell a body for just one hit. So now the game had changed for the worse now because all the old players had passed away. The players my age are on drugs. I'm in jail. 
leaving no one to teach the young how the game really is supposed to go. So with no one to teach the youth the truth, the game has lost its integrity. They have lost its pride. It lost its principles. It lost its moral and respect that come with it. There is no more brotherly love now. Queen cocaine is now the worst cancer to hit the black community since the Ku Klux Klan. Because now the whole stroke is now the dope stroke. While the pimp game dies, weed is selling slow, and gambling game is at standstill because almost everyone is smoking cocaine. The cocaine dealers look like pimps now. They're riding slick Cadillacs, Mercedes-Benz, drop-top Jags, and some in Rolls Royces. They're also fact-chasing women looking like hoes draped in gold, jewelry, and diamonds. I'm already missing tap now because things have been not been the same with him with bad breaks and setbacks. They have been struggling, a ball confusion. I'm still doing the best I can in this wild, wild rest. That was steep, wasn't it? But it's true. Yes, so, it's true. And so now you ask me what's wrong with the game today. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the game today. See, what's wrong with the game today, it ain't no game today. It's, see, because... When the, when the Queen Cocaine destroyed that whole generation, so now it's no one to teach the youth the game. You know what I mean? And so when I went to prison in 1990, I said, man, I said, I feel sorry for the streets now because, boy, now you got them crack babies being born, and they ain't being trained. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell you a sample. Mm-hmm. Now you take a little, little dog, and you take a little dog, and you don't have no training, he's going to be a wild dog, Right. But if you right. train that dog, so now you got kids with no training, no principle, no integrity, no moral, no respect to go with the gang, right? So now mm-hmm. they're coming up with, you know, they're coming up in the streets, and they don't, they wild. You know what I mean? They don't know what to do. You know what I mean? So now the game has lost the integrity, the principle, the morals that go with it. So now what they did, they even changed the music. They changed the music to rap music. That was pre-designed because it pre-designed because, Rap music, it'd be okay with rap music that was has positive impact. Like when we was coming up, we listened to yeah. James Brown saying, Say it loud on Black and on Proud. And, you, and, and then if you listen to some of Marvin Gaye music with inner city blues and, 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 and what's going on, it tell you what's going on today. You know what I mean? You know, because it's lost that we, because see, now what they're doing is, see, the, 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 the power to be, they control the media. So the only music they're putting out is if you can talk about drugs, killing, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. sexuality, then you're going to get paid. You know what I mean? But if you talk about the love music, how much, how many, how many, how many love music we hear? We don't hear no love music. You know what I mean? <laughs> what we see on TV, we see violence. That's what, that's what they want to see. So this is what the children see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now, now we look at them, they don't have no, they don't have no, they don't have no. They don't have no. Uh, they don't have no. They don't have no training. They don't have no right. self respect. You know what I mean? And no. And, is that, and is no that one, you think? And, I'm, I'm, I'm going to huh? I'm going to interrupt you here. Is that why you think that now that um, uh, when they shoot, they don't care who they shoot. They just shoot, and then they yes. they, they make a mistake and shoot a child, or they, they just shoot. I mean, I, I don't remember growing up where um, uh, children were being shot. 
you know, at, at that time. If somebody, if it was an altercation between two people, those two people were involved. That you know, there was no mistake about being shot. Now they just shoot and and chill. anybody can get it. a stranger. I mean, uh, anybody can get it. They're, either they're bad shooters, or, or, or I don't know what's going on with that. Where uh, the person who the person they're trying to shoot don't really get it all the time. Well, I'm gonna tell you an example, there, okay? I'm gonna answer a question for you, okay? Like when we were growing up, right? We had mm-hmm. that pride. We respected. We, we respected each other. You know what I mean? You know, because the streets were the only thing we had. And that we all. It's like my uncle taught me. You you got to give to the street, to you know what I mean? Give to the streets like paying your taxes, right? You know what I mean? Because when I was coming up, I took care of the neighbors. We made sure the neighbors got their you know, got the got the yard there, you know, we give to the kids, right? And so we give to the streets. You know, we gave to the streets. That's the way we were taught. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. if I was gambling, I might win me fit I might win me five, six thousand dollars. I'll be lucky if I had three thousand because see everybody in the streets gonna know they said Sterling just won six thousand dollars and so I give to them. You know what I mean? But I give mm-hmm. to them because they, then when they catch us, so we live off each other. We survive off each other. That's how we've been taught. And then if you, you know what I mean, if if I, if I were, if me and you have a beef or me and a guy have a beef, you know where they run to? They run to their mama house. Well, nobody run to their mama house because everybody respects the mama because mm-hmm. every neighborhood has family love. You know, it used to be a day when if I get caught doing something wrong, the mama, and, and the, the the mama had permission to whoop me somebody, somewhere else. You know what I mean? But yes, now, yes. Yeah. Now you don't have that family unity. You know what I mean? That's why when I was gal, I talked to all the old old organization leaders because I'm not. You know, gang is a is a is a thing that the that that, that the man's put on us. But it wasn't gang. It was organization where a group of friends gather up and they work together as one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I got together with some of the organization from all around the all around the city, and they had changed their life around to doing positive things. Because when I got out of prison, I didn't like the fact that they wasn't really out there helping the children, teaching the children the way it's really supposed to go and and mm-hmm. showing them a real way to go. You know, you get people that talk about it, but they don't be about it. You know what I mean? Now, now so, I'm going to ask you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you here because I, we're going to go back just a little bit. When you when they to, told you, how did they tell you that you weren't going to serve 35 years, but you were going to get out, um, you were only going to serve 26? How did that come about? And then I want to ask you, what it felt like walking out that door. So how did that okay. come about? How okay. Did that come about? That, okay, that came about because uh, I gave back five years on a gun charge. You know what I mean? Okay. So that takes five years off, right? Okay. Then, then, so that's from 38 to 33, right? Right. So then, and then I took the drug program. Even though I wasn't on no drug, I took the mm-hmm. drug program. But I didn't know how much, but then they gave you, Two years off the drug program, if you take the okay. drug program. So that's, you know, while well, I'm in there, I'm figuring out how I'm going to get out. I'm trying to say, oh, no, I ain't going to try to be no 70s. So I knocked myself out the 70s. You know what I mean? Okay, I got <laughs> so, you. 
And so then I get out, you know. So then I said, "Oh, that's seven years off now. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be 60, 62 or sixty-three when I get out, right?" But then mm-hmm. the sentence commissioner they decided because see what happened, the prison was getting so packed. You know, you pack like sardines in there now. They can't build wow. prison fast enough. That I'm talking about. This is how it is. If they can't build prison fast enough. They build one prison up, get filled right away. You know what I mean? Mm. And so now they got to get some of these prisoners out there. So they gave us two points off our points. And so we turned okay. two points off our points. That gave me seven years off. But but I only had only had a year year and a half to go. So when they gave me the seven years off, I got out in 2015. I got out at the age of 61. You know, wow. I was went to prison. You went, what age 35. were you when you went in? I was 35 when I went to prison. Okay, wow. Yeah. So when, and, when and you when got I, out of it, you when you got out of jail, I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I got to get, I got to make this clear. Everything had changed. I mean, it had to be the cell phones, microwave ovens, um, everything had changed. How was it when they opened the door of the prison and you were like free, able to walk out? Were there people waiting for you to pick you up, or or did they give you some money so you can uh, start another life, or did you have the same clothes you came in with um, uh, all those years ago, or did they give you some new clothes? How did how did how did that come about? Well, I mean, how did that feel? What did you look like? Well, I'll tell you what, what did I did. Think? I, I I had me a jogging suit. I put on my jogging suit. And I had me some brand new tennis shoes, right? And I walk, I walk out the door. And so I was in Maryland, Michigan. So they take me on a bus, and they, they take me, uh, they ride me to uh, what that? I think it was. It's it's it some place in Michigan, my little small town, in Michigan. And that they take me to a, a bus station. That bus gonna take me all the way to uh, Chicago, right? Okay. So. When I, when I get out that bus, right, I'm looking around. I'm wondering, I'm looking at all these people right, f- walking around with these little phones, right? Everybody uh-huh. has a phone stuff. So now I got to cross the street. I'm scared. I'm scared to cross the street because I ain't, you know, I ain't seen nothing go that fast before. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I remember the one guy told me that <laughs> there a lot of time. Because you, you, you didn't see that, that they had don't walk, walk. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I see the lights, and so I just follow the crowd. When they walk across the street, I walk across you the walk street. You walk across, okay. <laughs> yeah, and so then when I get on the bus and come out, I come back to Milwaukee, right? I get yeah. to Milwaukee, the, the whole city done changed. It's like the whole, you know, let me tell you the truth, to me, they're like all Milwaukee is a ghetto. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, it looked like I'm talking about everything, tore up everything raggedy. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm saying, I come out here, then I see women with these gold hair, you know what I mean, different color hair. I'm saying, man, I said, <laughs> they remind me of the, uh, of the well, you know, cause in prison where, where everybody be looking at the Hollywood, you know, what, what, basketball wives. I said, yeah. they all look like basketball <laughs> okay. wives. And, and, and to me, they all looked alike. <laughs> The women did. They all, if they had they all looked alike. Them watching these guys walking with their pants almost down to their knees. I'm like, how can they walk? You know what I mean? 
<laughs> and, and I'm, I'm talking about everybody on the telephone. Uh, now I'm on the telephone. Did you know it was a phone? <laughs> Did you know it was huh? a phone when you saw it? I didn't know it was a phone at first. I'm talking about when they gave me the phone to work, I didn't know how to phone. I went and got me a simple phone. I said, I don't want no fancy phone. <laughs> I said, I don't know what to do with I still got a simple phone. Yeah, wow. so everything looked everything looked fast to me. I didn't know how to work the TV. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and microwave and microwave. No, I didn't know nothing about that. I had to learn in twenty months. I had to learn all that. I've been out twenty months. You know what I mean? Wow. And I did. You know, I'm still learning. You know what I mean? And and yeah. then you got it's, it's a new conversation. But let me tell you one thing. I know this. What? And, Everybody is selfish. Everybody is what do you selfish. Mean, what do you mean by that? Everybody think about self. There's no more brotherly love. It's all about self. You know what I mean? Everybody all about self. There's no more brotherly love. There ain't no, you know what I mean? And every all that stuff is gone. No principle, no pride, no more. It, it's all about me. You know what I mean? It's all but about you, me. They even drive like that. Right, you went in when it was say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah, that's People what I went in. Right? Yeah. Sister, brother. Yeah. No, hey sister, yeah. how you doing? Hey brother, and there yeah. was there was unity among the yeah, black community. It was community. unity then. It was. You know it, I mean? was it, it was back then. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. And that's why our community then lost. You know what I mean? That's why our community has lost. It lost that say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And you took my saying when you said. Say it loud, I'm a woman and I'm proud. I said to myself, right. I, I, said, it. I love I, it. But the I, women love it and I love it too. We proud. Yeah, I said, we, we, both, we both love it, right? <laughs> and so I said, I said, you know, I said say it loud. I said, you know, you know I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it short. It's an interesting story uh, because um, uh, Harvey, Harvey Scales is uh, one of your relatives, right? Yeah, that's my cousin. That's your cousin. I interviewed yeah. Harvey. And, yeah. you know, he, he's a musician and all that. And we were talking about that that very thing you're talking about, the unity of James Brown. He said James Brown used to come here a lot, and they used to write songs together and things like that. I don't know if you knew about that. But um, Say It Loud and I'm Back and I'm Proud, they refused to play that on the radio. Yeah. Because uh, they wouldn't play it. And so then they started kind of boycotting that song. Yeah. And so what James Brown did was, since they wouldn't play his music, that that particular song, and he stayed, stopped playing some of his music, he bought a radio station and started playing all his music and his hits. Yeah. And he was doing very well. So then he got them to start playing the music. But that's interesting yeah. that they wouldn't let, they would not play Say It Loud and I'm Black and I'm Brown. They wouldn't say, they wouldn't yeah. play it. And that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And see, you got to look at it like this now. I'm going to tell you some history now. You know, why why we like the way we are today. It's just like when they first brought the slave trip, you know, I, all I did was read and worry about history. And so now I know I know why we like this and who doing this and what the media, who the media is. I know all that. I studied that. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's just like when they brought the slave trade. They did the slave trade, right? And they bought the ships. When it, it was strategy right there. When they went to Africa to get the slaves, they made sure they get a few slaves from each tribe because they spoke different languages, right? The reason why mm-hmm. they did that was because then they won't be able to communicate. You know what I mean? 
And so when they and they made sure of that. And so when they bought it over there, first you had Jim Crow, and then you had the the, the Lynch, the what the, the Lynch one that wrote the how the child you train a uh, I don't Who cuss no more, but a a, a nig Negro. Know what I mean? And uh-huh. and so then with that they're talking about first they taught us to hate each other. You know what I mean? And separation. Mm-hmm. And they taught us to be separation. You know what I mean? So that grew on us. But see, what happened in the fifties and the sixties, you know, then you had them great black leaders like Martin Luther King, you know, he bring us back together. Then you had Malcolm X, you know, and you can say uh What's his name? But uh, even uh, uh, the nation of Islam. What's his name? Not Farrakhan. Farrakhan. Muhammad. Even Muhammad. You know, oh, Muhammad. Muhammad, Muhammad. Muhammad. Even Muhammad. You know, like I look at it as organization. Muhammad got together and he started showing unity in the black. See, I don't agree with all religion, but I agree with the way Farrakhan be telling black people how they're supposed to live and when they. Don't and, and what they don't do, they don't advertise what Farrakhan teaching. Cause what he teaching, he telling the truth. He teaching black how to respect each other and how to live. You know what I mean? And but why do you think they don't advertise him? Because they don't want them to know about good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't want mm-hmm. them to know about what he's teaching. They make it seem like he's a devil. You know what I mean? Because he don't he don't put no cut on what he do. He just tell it like he is. You know what I mean? so, okay. Yeah, he's, so, he's pretty, uh, pretty frank. He's pretty I want to ask, but, I wanna ask but, you this question, though, Sterling. How did you feel when, you, I guess you were in prison, the, the first um, uh, round of um, um, Obama when he was uh, became president. How did you feel when our first black president and you were in prison, in prison okay, at that time? Okay, let me how did tell you, you feel about let me, that? Let me tell you this now. They don't go before Obama, cause they talk about this other guy who was the first was a black president, but he was worse. He 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 was, he, he was the worst one. Uh, uh, Clinton. 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 Oh no, that, Bill oh, Clinton. Yeah, now, yeah. That was now when Bill joke. Clinton came in, we in prison, right? We said, yeah. Oh yeah. That's we said we gonna get out now. Clinton gonna look out for us, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, Clinton built so many new prisons. And toughen up on the law. <laughs> and then, let me tell you what he did. You used to can always fill out your cases. Like, you can always fill out 2255. You can fight your cases all the way to the end, right? Mm-hmm. Clinton put out a law where you do one 2255 and you, do, and you can't do no more after that. You know what I mean? That to mm-hmm. keep the people in prison. And I, and, and I bet you, I bet you, some of them presidents had some money in the prisons. I bet you they did. Oh, yeah. See, oh, yeah, some money-making The big-time prison owners that had them private prisons, they the one that helped support the, pre- the who's going to be the president. You know what I mean? And, see, mm-hmm. that's why in order for black people to help each other instead of being against each other, they should get together and they should, you know, the only way we're going to get something done in the black community is we got to, you know, we got to control the voting system. You know what I mean? Because if you let your vote count, your vote count, you know what I mean, they're going to do something for us. You know what I mean? As long as, you don't, as long as you don't let that vote count, if you can say, well, you guarantee to get you, like you take Milwaukee, for instance, right? 
Now, I bet mm-hmm. you Milwaukee got over 200,000 blacks in there. It might, the population might be 500,000. I bet you two, half of them is black. You know what I mean? Because, you know, some blacks don't count in census because they don't get registered. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> okay. But, and so then you can control the voting. We can say, oh, this is who we voting with. Because if you say something, I'll tell you, every black community, everybody got, every culture got their own community. You know, you got Chinatown, and now you got Vietnamese. And I come out here and say, man, the Arabs done took over the black community. It's just like yeah, the you, you, a black man open up a grocery store, everybody going to still go to the Arab man. You know what I mean? Because that's the way we've been taught. You know what I mean? We, we got to mm-hmm. learn to say it loud on black and on proud and have that black pride back where we support each other. And don't be jealous and envy of each other. That's, you know, we, we they ain't going to do it for us. We got to do it for ourselves. You know, and that's the truth. Well, how did you feel? Uh, because when I was growing up, uh, we're, 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 well, you're a little older than me. We had a corner store, and yeah. a black man owned that corner store, and it was always so nice and clean. And he was, we knew him as Mister So and So. Uh, and and sometimes when you didn't have enough money, change or whatever, he's like, "Go on and take it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I get you next time." And oh, uh, yes. we were friends with the corner store guy. And um, every, you would never think of robbing him. No way. He was no, like part no. of the family. Every, and yeah, but when you came back seeing, seeing the Arabs, or, or and this is nothing negative against Arab people because they have to live and survive and make money too. So this is not a slam. When you came back and you saw in our communities that um, Ar- the Arab community owned a lot of the gas stations when they were black people that owned gas stations. Yes. They, uh, they owned the, the corner stores when black people used to own them. They sold those stores and those gas stations to um, uh, the Arab community. And um, how did you feel about seeing that? Did that shock you? That you know? Yeah, that shocked me. That shocked me. I'm talking about, I'm surprised. Let me tell you what. You want me to tell you where I get my gas from? I get where? my gas on, on, on 9th and Ring. It's own, uh, own black. It, they own, blacks own this. I still, you know, you can't take that out of me. I'm talking about if I see black people got something, it's just like I go down to uh, that place on, 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 on the, at the mall down there, right? And I talk to this young guy named Mike Squirrel. Know what I mean? Yeah, he was a guest on my show. He is awesome. He, he's awesome, he's right? Awesome. You should hear his podcast. He is great, yes. Oh, yeah. The Milwaukee and so Mall. so him. And so he loved for me to come down there because me and him always talk. And, you know, he's, and I'd be teaching him stuff. I'd be telling him about crawling before you walk. And, and, and he'd be, he, I'm talking about, he loved to talk. He's going to be one of the guys with me that we're going to be when we get together because we're getting a group of strong brothers together, and we're going to go in the community and show these youngsters what the right thing to go. And we need a guy like him, a youngster like him, who can be a role model and show these young guys to communicate. It's just like me. When I talk to these young guys, I said, now, if I can come out of prison at the age of 61 and write a book and do what I do, can you imagine what y'all can do at y'all age? Exactly. You know what I mean? I said, so many opportunities out here now. I said, you can sell forks and spoons on the Internet and make money. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm, so much mm-hmm. opportunity for you to make now. Because when I was coming back, I didn't have no choice but to go to criminal activities. You know what I mean? But now you have mm-hmm. a choice. You got role models. You got a president like President Obama. You know what I mean? You got you got mayors. You got 
just take you for instance. You got you on radio. You know what I mean? You got all mm-hmm. these people. You know what I mean? So all we got to do is just stick together, and we can build our community. It's just like uh, I was talking to this guy. He said all the money they put in Sherman Park, but what do they got? They don't have nothing. Do they open up a black business? Do they open up anything to, to invest that money? If you put black businesses in a, in the community, they're not going to open up jobs. You know what I mean? And we support mm-hmm. each other. You know what I mean? I'll tell you, mm-hmm. you an example that really go. I went to this one mentor meeting, right? And the mm-hmm. Chinese and, the, and these black people were trying to sell something to this Chinese in Chinatown, right? And mm-hmm. they were charging a product that was way cheaper than what the Chinese were getting. The both times they said, no. And then the Chinese, add, then the, the black people asked the Chinese, they said, well, why you won't buy it from us and ours is cheaper? And know what the Chinese told them? He said, what? we're not like y'all. <laughs> we only buy from Chinese. You know what yes. I mean? Y'all, yes. let, y'all let white people, Arabs, everybody come in there in y'all neighborhood and buy everything up. You know, we own everything in our neighborhood. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about. If you open up jobs and you, you take this and you and you build up your community and you work together, like like you take that guy that got to a, a happy hustle, the guy at happy hustle, and you take this Mike other Trill. young guy, yeah, you take this other young guy at King's Auto, my nephew, right? I'm proud mm-hmm. of him. He did the same thing mm-hmm. Mike Scroll did. So you got youngsters that was in the drug game, but they turned their life around and went and yes. put all, like I told you, they put their mind and focused their mind on something positive, and you're going to get yes. positive results. Just like King, he went to prison. King, he on 25th, my nephew on 25th and, uh, Capitol, and he got mm-hmm. him an auto, sh- auto shop and everything, right? And he changed mm-hmm. his life around from drug dealing. Now he into the business like that. I talked to him too. And so me and King and Scroll, I told him, I said, when I get my money together, we're going to get us a business all together. You know what I mean? We're going to work together. You know what I mean? And build from there. You know what I mean? We're going to build from there. You know, So that's what we got to do. We got to put organizations together on positive situations. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we got to mm-hmm. start working together, right? Mm-hmm. Most, not definitely. Most definitely. Most huh? definitely. Yeah, most definitely. I, I want to ask you. A, I want to ask you a question though. Were you surprised when you when you when you got out to see the Milwaukee Mall? What it used to be like? It used to be Sears. Remember years ago it was yeah. Sears. Yeah, Did I remember. Did that surprise you? Huh? Uh, Did that surprise you? That surprised me because see, I used to have a restaurant on Twenty Fifth North Avenue, and mm-hmm. North Avenue used to be one of the last one of the. I might say laugh, laugh. That means a lot of stuff going on in the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. And North mm-hmm. Avenue used to be, well, what we, you know, we, I use the slang word popping. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was, it was nice. You know what I mean? It, everything was going on there. It was, it was nice. You know what I mean? But when I come out, I, I didn't even know somebody was in Sears till, till I know it was the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Mall till. A stroll told me to come down there and talk to him. I said, man, wow. they got all this in there. I said, man, they got all this in here. I said, because you're not getting the advertisement and stuff that you're supposed to get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you know what? They got nice stuff in there. I know. Right? I was down there and, and talked to Mike. Uh, they got nice stuff you. in there, but we know how we is. We like going and spending money with, with, you know, down at Mayfair and all that, you know. 
<laughs> get your hair did, get your nails did, and run down there and spend money. You know what I mean? But you know, right? You know, put the, you know you got to put your money in your hood, in your neighborhood, and you build your neighborhood up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like mm-hmm. you take that empty lot on Coles. It used to be Coles on uh, Fond du Lac, right? Yes, yes. If somebody you gets that there. spot, huh? Yeah, you call it a Coles. Yeah, if somebody can open that up, and if they can get the support in the neighborhood, then what you got? You got jobs coming in. You know what I mean? It's just like when you're talking about the community, you talk about helping the community. Like I said, don't talk about it. You be about it. What I mean by be about it, like I would talk to uh, this, this guy, uh, Muhammad, you know what I mean, My, David mm-hmm. Muhammad, and this other guy. And I was telling them about what I'm going to do. And they won't work with me, you know what I mean? And we're going to okay. start doing stuff like that. We're going to start working. You know, stop, don't talk about it. Just be about it. I said, we got to have, you got to show the children hope. And in order to do that, you got to show them opportunity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. uh, on 40th and uh, Center Street, I go to the mentor meeting there all the time. And on 40th, that's the church on 40th Center. See, we got all these churches in the community. What do they do? But the one for this center street, they work with people. I took 20 young people there, and they got jobs. You know what I mean? Wow. They got, they got, they got jobs. So if any of the young people listen on the telephone, all you gotta do is go down there. They're gonna, they're gonna train you, and they're gonna put you. They're gonna take you to a job. You know what I mean? Now where's uh, this place? At? Where's it located? Where they can go get a on job? On Four Different Center, New I think Good Good Hope or New Hope, Good Hope on Four Different Center, right? That church on Four Different Center. You know what I mean? They 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 doing a good job, and I got to, I got to give it to uh, uh, Andre Ellis too. You know what I mean? You know that's a Andre good Leo, idea. Yeah. They they open that open even here that I go there every Saturday and me and the children go and clean up. You know what I mean? Cause you got mm-hmm. eight children there. They love me there. You know what I mean? They be I waiting for me, it. so I can't. I'm gonna have to keep on going there every year because I can't disappoint them. You know what I mean? That's what yes. we've been doing too much, too long. We've been disappointing our youth. You know what I mean? But they look up to me because they know what I went through. You know what I mean? And my goal I is. Can. My goal is they be asked, hey, could you get up? They said, could you give me a bookstore? And I said, man, I said, I said, I just got a prison. I said, I got to make my money. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but uh, but David Muhammad, David Muhammad said he gonna set a way where they can donate, you know, maybe about fifty or hundred books for the children because I think oh, they need it. Nice. Because I now, think they need can, it. Now let's talk about the book because we don't have that much time left. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, where can they get the book? How much is the book? And okay, you also have but, T-shirts too. I saw the T-shirts. The T-shirts are. Oh awesome. yeah, they got T-shirts. Okay, my yeah, book so goes for. Where can we get for, all this at? Okay, my book go for go for uh, go for uh, twenty dollars, right? Okay. And and uh, it, when you get it from me, because I self-publish, right? And yes. but see, all they did, I gave my card, and I don't mind giving up my number on the telephone. They can call me four one four. Six two nine five eight nine two, and I bring it to them, and oh, I nice. guarantee, and, and I guarantee you read the book. They're gonna be the best black book they read. And know what? I'm not gonna never put my foot in my mouth because more, I sold over four hundred books and ain't had That's no excellent. complaint, no complaint. Let me tell you what the only complaint is: when the next book gonna be, and we'll, no one tell oh, what the next wow. book gonna be. 
The oh. next book gonna be the next book gonna be pay the cost to be the boss. It's gonna tell you about the BOS. They're gonna tell you what it stood for and what it really was about. You know what I mean? Until the media destroyed the meaning of it because of the war on drugs. You know what I mean? And so you want to know where the book, we're going to tell you about what's, where the you know, where the BOS started. They're going to tell you all about the BOS. And they better get the book before the movie come out. I was going to say, <laughs> you guys, they're considering making this into a movie, which, yeah. which I think would be a great movie. Um, yes, but uh, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of um, Denzel Washington in Hurricane. That he yeah. was in, pri- in prison, but he, you know, he was innocent though. I mean, not, not no offense on you, but uh, he was in prison for so long, and what he went through trying to get out, and them trying to get him out. I mean, that's a long movie. Woo, it's a long, but it's a good movie. It's all the things see, he went through. But see, like I was talking to the people, right? I'll be talking mm-hmm. to you. when I was in prison. I was talking to the guy that wrote the barber shop, right? And he he mm-hmm. told me in this in the first book, Raising the Game, he told me I got about three movies in that book, right? And, okay. And, and I used to go in class, and you know, I, I the doc I had I got doctors buying the book from me, probation officers and everybody because mm-hmm. I didn't write it. It's, this book ain't no urban, you know, about jumping over the trains and shooting up the judges and stuff like this. this is a true book <laughs> about the truth. You know what I mean? The way it was for us coming up in the 60s. This ain't nothing about mm-hmm. no wild, crazy stuff about, you know what I mean? But this is the truth and talk about, you know, the real life. You know what I mean? And a lot of white people want to know how it was for blacks coming up. And so when I wrote the book, I wrote the book for whites can like it too. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's a good, and then, um, Dr. Michael Bonds, he was trying to get the book into uh, the uh, into the UWM, but I this told oh, he told great. he told me though because he said it'd be a good educational book for the mm-hmm. for the uh, people for the people in school because it not only talk about you know the street, streets, it talk about you know integrity principles, and it talk about circumstances, you know how we can be a pro- a product of our environment. And, you know, it talk about how it was coming up in the 60s. It tell you about history. It tell you about godliness. tell you about God. It got a little bit of everything in it. You know what I mean? It ain't no book where you're glorifying what you're doing. It tell you how you can be a victim of your, surf- uh, 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 your, uh, your environment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when people read this book, like I took it to this lady, and she, I said, just read the, let's just read the uh, introduction. She read the introduction. She bought the book right away. I mean, I said right. because I said the book ain't about. It's not about. You know, it. You know, you see a book, and you see, and you think a black book. You know, because it's got stuff about gambling, pimping, drugs, and stuff. But it's telling you how you was a victim of your environment. You know what I mean? And it tell you about. It, you know, it tell you about. It, it it tell you about the principles, morals, and respect that we had. But right. I know we ain't got that much time. We got. But, we got like ten minutes. I hear somebody in the background. Do you want to ask a question? Oh, yeah. I'm glad to answer questions. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Ask a question. Ask a question, Sterling. Yeah. I would like to know, uh, what do he plan uh, for the children? He say he go and spend time with them. Um, 
uh, every weekend. Uh, what exactly do he plan to do for them? Well, what I plan to do for the children, I'm trying to teach them about, you know, trying to teach them about principal morals. I'm trying to teach them about their history and where they come from and letting them know that they are somebody, you know what I mean? Because we all are somebody, you know what I mean? And one thing we don't teach our youth, we don't teach our youth about the history and let them know about, you know, in schools they don't teach you about uh, Martin Luther King. Like some children I talk to, they don't even know who Reverend Martin Luther King was, you know what I mean? And so what we're going to do is we're getting together and we're going to start putting together where, like, I'm going to be counseling maybe 10 children, and then some of these other guys, gonna be, we're going to be counseling them, and we're going to be showing them how, how you know, giving them hope. And, you know, I'm going to be more like a father figure because, you know, we got most of, most of the kids in the neighborhood, they don't really have no father figures because when I was coming up, I, that's what I needed. I needed me a role model. And so I'm going to be a lot, I'm going to try to, like, be a role model for the children, you know. That's awesome. That's great because they need it. They they need they yeah. need that yeah. to, um, to, uh, to somebody to look up to. Somebody you know. Hey, I don't think that's a good idea. And with yeah. all the, the the carjackings and uh, 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 stealing the cars, and we keep telling them stop doing it, stop doing it. They're getting hurt. They're getting killed. I don't know why they're risking their lives um, for this uh, just to have a little bit of fun. And I don't get that. They need somebody to say that's not a good idea. Um, yeah, and that's why, uh, going to jail for them doesn't seem to be a hindrance. It's like, I don't care if I go to jail, you know, because I don't think they love themselves enough to say, I'm, I, you know, I don't want, they need some self-love. Yeah, they need self-love. See, that's what, that's what they need. They need love. You know, if you see me, I'm not sure that, that little video when I be walking with the, uh, that guy on the thing, I be walking with the children and we be laughing and talking, right? And see, mm-hmm. they love that. They love the love that I give them. You know what I mean? They know where I've been. They be asking me questions about the BOS and ask me about this and ask me about that, and I tell them about it. And I tell them about the consequences. And I be telling them about my experience in jail. I be telling them about how I seen a young man come to jail, and uh, they took him, and the, and, the, and the D.C. boy took him and raped him. You know what I mean? I be telling them that it ain't, no, it ain't nothing pretty. You know what I mean? It's not pretty when you get caught when you get caught in the federal federal system, and you live, and they ship you somewhere in California, you know what I mean? Right. And, and you on you on your own, and you and you're 19, 20 years old, and you got a group of people walking around that got 50 and 60 years, and they looking for a fresh young boy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. you ain't got your, you ain't got that pistol when you check that in at the door, you know what I mean? You on your own. <laughs> That's true. I want to ask this question because you had mentioned it before about the the, the pants uh, sagging. Um, we were all under the impression. Well, I was under the impression that that came from prison. That uh, you wanted some action from another man. Is that true? Yeah. Is, do you, yeah. do See, men the wear their pants came in the, sagging prison. in prison? Yeah, the sagging came from prison. You know, I think in California when they had the when they uh, when they you know it's like this. They gonna say that's my woman right there. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> or, or if you want to get somebody some action, <laughs> I right? Tell you, Is that you know? what it means, right? So, so why are these kids doing this? Because I've seen well, them so tell you, far down. Let me tell you why they did this. Let me tell you why they're right, doing right, this. Exactly it all why. Started, it all started with the rapping industry. 
You know what I mean? And you know, kids are what they see and what they see. So on TV, they started doing in the 80s, I mean in the in the 90s, you know, all these rappers started sagging. You know, rappers... But did they know where it, it came from? Huh? Did, did they know where they it know came that? from? Yeah. <laughs> and they but started sagging. But see, a lot of singers do, are what, they do what they're told. You know what I mean? They're going to do what they're told, what they get paid for. You know what I mean? And if they get paid for doing this stuff and teaching our youth this, that's what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. I, I'm going to see. Does anybody else have another qu- a question for uh, Sterling? Because we're almost getting ready to go. Does anybody have a question? I guess no not. No questions? Uh, yeah. You, you got some people on here, man. I, I, I thought maybe somebody had a question because cause we're going to have to go. We've been on for a while. But this has been a, uh, a wonderful conversation. And I love talking to you because you're so you, you're so intelligent and, you, and you're so knowledgeable. Did you do a lot of research for the book, history research? Oh, yeah, I did a lot of history research for the book. The book is all about history, you know what I mean? And the book got so many positive, every, it got so much positivity in it till you, 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 I'm talking about, it's like this. If I, I'm not going to try the book sell itself, you know what I mean? The book, it, yes, it, it tells you, it, it sells itself. I'm talking about when you read it, you can't put it down. If you, you put, if you read it, you're gonna read. That you're gonna read. It's gonna take you one or two days to read it. You know what I mean? And then I always tell them. I say I got two more books coming out at the same time. Uh, Charge it to the game. And I got uh, raise it in the raise in the game. Them two coming out at the same time. And then my the, then my next book gonna be my experience in prison. And then the book after that, the last book gonna be my success coming out. I'm yeah, thinking about you have been very successful coming out. You know, yeah, you really changed yeah. your life around. Yeah, and, you really and, have. But but no, no one really thinking about too. Um, what is that? Well, if I had if making real a, a motivation book, teaching people hope. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. I I, I want to write a motive because see in these books I got, I'm still, I did a lot of motivation stuff in the book to show them. You know what I mean? Yeah. To show. Yes. To show. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's. You know, but my, mostly I want to come out and help my young brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? Help them get together. You know, that's my goal. You know what I mean? I spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time talking to you. I even had people, you know, calling me up or, or texting me on my Facebook to come talk to their children. I'd be glad to do that. If anybody wants me to talk to their kids, I don't mind. Cause that's, that's excellent. Know, that's I, wonderful. I want, that, so, that's what I want to do. You're, that is really beautiful. Now we have like three minutes left. Is there anybody you want to thank? Uh, but want to thank. Well, first yeah. of all, uh, I want to thank you know my mother Bessie Gardner, my Bessie Gardner. You know she she's the one that taught me respect and to never give up because she said God had perfect for everyone in life. I also want to thank my uncle Tapa. He taught me integrity and principles and value. And more, and how always to be a man of your word. And I like to thank my children for showing me support. But most importantly, I want to thank God for showing me the light and and showing me and teaching me the truth and, and the God and, and about the God within myself. Cause today I feel free and alive, you know, in harmony and peace and happy. Cause now my eyes are open to what's really important in life. And so I thank God for that.
And what's the most important thing in your life right now? Uh, the most important thing in my life right now is giving back to a community that you know that that I took from. You know what I mean? I want to help you know help my help help my people out, help us get back like we used to be. That's so that is so awesome. Well, we're going to yes. be talking more, and we're going to be doing some projects together. So yes. I want to thank you, Sterling, for sharing your story. Yes. And um, you made my day. Um, yeah. And um, made, the book is excellent. I hope I made other people's day. <laughs> yeah, you do. The book yeah. is called Raising the Game by Sterling Daniels. Uh, I think it's going to be a bestseller. Yeah, it's gonna be a bestseller. Okay, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be a bestseller. Yeah, hey, all you gotta do is look at look at my uh, look look up my uh, my my Facebook or my uh, my L my my uh, raising the game LLC, and, and they can get and you got a my website too. I got a website. It's in, it, it, it's in, it's in Amazon. It's in Barnes and Noble, but they can get cheaper to get from me. But either way, they either way they go. I guarantee them they're going to love it. <laughs> All right. I want to say thank you again to uh, Sterling Daniels. We'll be talking again. Thank you for joining me on Internet Cafe where we yes, have the most you. beautiful. You're welcome. We have the most beautiful guests, the most the wonderful guests, and my name is Wanda Williams, the host. Again, thank you for joining me on Internet Cafe, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Much love. Okay, Bye-bye. thank you. Bye-bye.